This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Hello and welcome to Have a Nice Christmas, a special festive podcast from BBC Good Food, hosted by me, Miriam Nice, and ably assisted by Nadia Ziafat. Hello. Yes, that's right. And each episode, we're going to discuss and debate some of the classic Christmas staple recipes. And here's the best bit. Two members of the food team will have to present to me their favourite recipes and why it's the nicest thing to serve this year. I get to choose the winner and my decision is final. We recorded this at home, so the sound quality might not be the same as we'd expect if we'd done it in the studio. Today we have Group Magazine's editor Keith Kendrick and food director Cassie Best. Hi guys. Hello. Hi Cassie. Hi Nadia. How are you both? Good. How are you Keith? Very, very good. Thank you. Um, all this uh, this talk about Christmas is making me very festive and hungry. I know, me too. So Cassie, before we go into the, the centrepieces, what does your Christmas day look like? Oh, well, usually it's a big family affair. Obviously, it'll be very different this year. Um, but usually we all get together and there's a lot of prep that goes into it. So my mum and I will usually spend at least the day before, maybe the day before that, and maybe even a few more days before that, um, prepping sides for the big day, making desserts. Um, we tend to go all out. And because there's lots of us, there's lots of different preferences and requests for Christmas dinner you know some people like plain stuffing some people like more elaborate stuffing with fruits and nuts in it so we try and cater for everyone's likes <laughs> that that sounds like not an easy task not easy but I love it I wouldn't yeah. have it any other way and Keith how, how does your Christmas day go usually we've um we, we've sort of set the tradition a long time ago uh, we've got three young kids well they're not young anymore actually they're teenagers and uh, the oldest is coming home from university, in fact, today, as we are recording. So she'll be back later. And uh, the day starts with um, Prosecco and orange juice and smoked salmon and scrambled eggs. And then because I've done so much prep like uh, like Cassie, I find the actual meal itself a very unstressful thing. There's just five of us. There's no visitors. There's no kind of, uh, you know, long distance relatives getting together. We just basically, um, I get a roast beef out, bung it in the oven. It's been prepped the night before. My roasties have been uh, prepped a couple of days before. My sprouts, my carrots, my parsnips, they've been prepped. I did the gravy at the end of November by roasting bones with uh, 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 and, and draining off the uh, the bone marrow to whisk into the gravy later. And I booked my Christmas delivery slot with a supermarket um, about five weeks ago. So super prepped. So let's go on to the main event. What is your centrepiece, Cassie? Always turkey. Every year, without fail. Every year. We have, you know, we might have a lovely glazed, well, we definitely will have a lovely glazed gammon alongside, but we always have turkey on the big day. 
And I'm with Keith, actually, on the regimental side of Christmas. And I think Christmas is all about traditions. We have our schedule set out. And I love that. I don't want it to deviate because Christmas is all about memories, isn't it? And um, every part of Christmas Day just evokes happy memories for me. Um, And part of that is having turkey. Mm. I think turkey gets a really bad rap. Um, Turkey, when it's done badly, is pretty bad but when it's done well it's absolutely delicious um yeah. so yeah I definitely favor turkey and I can see Keith shaking his head <laughs> <of it. laughs> I just want to uh I just want to mention something about tradition and because you've got two very little uh kids Cassie what we started doing when they were the age of uh of your two was taking a picture of them in front of the Christmas tree and we've done that every year and they've got those pictures framed. It's a really lovely tradition to, you know, to do. It's just a very, very kind of, yeah, it's, a, it's just a great thing. And everybody knows their place and everybody knows what to look forward to and everybody knows what order it's going to come in. So it's fantastic. And everybody, everybody knows they're not going to get turkey because I can't stand this stuff. <laughs> we did a big turkey tasting test together um, a few years ago didn't we well you've done it since yeah. but I think I've been on maternity leave so I've missed it the last couple of years but I don't remember you hating it that that much well, it, well it's, it's not it's it's not really about hatred it's about it's it's a few things I think you need to do a lot to it to make it uh not bland and you know and we've got loads of recipes on the BBC Good Food website which are which involve dry brining which involve glazing which involve even doing a kind of Kiev-style thing of injecting garlic butter into the flesh. Loads and loads of tips and tricks to make this quite bland meat exciting and wonderful and zhuzhy. We, we, take, we, take we take off the legs and we confit them, and then we roast the crown separately. It's like, that's a lot of faff when you can just get a beautiful two-and-a-half-kilogram piece of sirloin roast from a great, great butcher, from a great, great breed that's been aged for between 28 and 35 days and just either butter it with some porcini butter or all kinds of flavoured butters and then just bung it in the oven and you'll have a fantastic roast plus gravy. Well, but I would argue that, I mean, you just mentioned going to a great butcher and getting a great cut of beef. I mean, I think most of the turkeys that people would would buy would be um, a supermarket turkey, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But for the big day, you know, if you spend a bit more on a really top quality turkey, then you're going to get something completely different. You know, it's going to have those lovely gamey flavours. The meat isn't going to be dry if it's treated well. You can get something really delicious, um, but you do just have to spend a bit more money. So, Cassie, do you tend to do something different every year with your turkey or do you have a specific recipe that you're bringing to the table today? So Keith mentioned the removing of the legs and the brining, which is a relatively new um, concept in the turkey world. (laughs) So years ago, um, I should actually add a disclaimer that my mum usually cooks the turkey. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, years ago, she would always... um, push a load of like lovely flavoured butter under the skin, um, put some stuffing into the neck cavity, cover the breast with some bacon or some pancetta, you know, chuck a load of lovely on there. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the breast does need less cooking time than the legs. 
Um, so, you know, you do end up with sometimes a bit of a, a drier uh, breast meat and then, you know, nice kind of moist um, leg meat. So with the leg meat, you want to slow cook it. Um, and by removing it and brining it, you're going to cook it in two different ways. So you can brine the whole bird. Um, this brining is basically a process of adding salt. So you can do a wet brine or a dry brine. And through the process of osmosis, it will draw the liquid or the moisture out of the birds, but then that gets sucked back into the meat and with it, it pulls some of that salt in. So it's flavoring the meat whilst tenderizing it um, because of the salt. And because it's tenderizing the meat, when it cooks, it doesn't constrict like it would normally, which pushes out a lot of the moisture in the liquid. So what you end up with is a really flavorful meat, which is much more tender and juicy. So Sorry, that was a really long answer to that <laughs> simple question. But basically, brine meat. Um... This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Gives you really crispy skin, delicious, yeah. salty, crispy skin, which is just, you know, everybody loves that. Um, so, I yeah, nowadays I brine my meat and I also remove the legs from the breast. So you're left with a turkey crown. Um, the recipe that I really like is one that we've got on the website and you confit the legs and the wings. So first you brine all the different parts, the, the crown and the legs and the wings. Um, and then you confit the legs and the wings. So you cook them slowly in goose fat, which gives you this delicious, like tender meat, which just shreds off the bone and crispy skin. And it's super delicious and very indulgent, but it's Christmas day. So why not? Um, and also you're left with this goose fat, which has rendered turkey fat in it, which is perfect for your roast potatoes. Um, and then also, you know, you've got the, the crown separate. So you're going to cook that for less time, which means it won't dry out and it's been brined. So it's really juicy. So hopefully I've sold that to you. <laughs> I mean, you have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, is, it sounds absolutely fantastic. And I have tasted some fantastic turkeys in my time in the course of this uh, this this job um but they've all been cooked by great cooks like you and i don't feel that i've got the confidence to deliver that kind of experience on what i mean let's face it we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves on christmas day don't we for everything to be perfect and i think that's one meal you can't mess with and so i'm really really I would argue there's a lot more skill in cooking a fillet of beef or, you know, a, a, beef, a cut of beef that you want cooked to a precise temperature and a well-doneness. There's so much skill involved in that. And with the turkey, you can't really go that wrong, that far wrong. You know, you've done the hard work in the brining. That's going to ensure that it stays really juicy. So if you overcook it a little bit, it's not really a problem because it's still going to be nice and juicy. I wouldn't say it is about skill. I would say it's about experience. And because I've cooked, uh, you know, beef so many times, you know, like once a month, I really know what I'm doing with beef. I understand, um, 
you know, what is rare and what is medium, you know, 55 degrees is perfect for rare. And, you know, if you've got an internal probe, that will tell you precisely what that is. I, I go full geek on this and I actually put it in a sous vide bag and cook it for a couple of hours at 55 degrees and then I can just finish it off. And that's about experience. It's not about skill. I don't have the experience with turkeys to give me the confidence. Also, I don't have a big enough family. So in the past, when I've gone down a poultry route, I've gone for cockerel and I've ordered a cockerel to uh, to, to, to arrive for my daughter's birthday because her birthday is just a few days before Christmas. And that is a fantastic uh, kind of, you know, borderline gamey meat. It's This particular one is it's it's 150 days old, which is about four times uh, the, you know the age of a normal a normal chicken, uh, and it's the right size for a family of five. Whereas I think turkey is so big, you need about eight people really to kind of really sort of justify all that effort and getting that expertise on point. I mean, I, and this is another reason that I love turkey because for me the leftovers are the best bit. I mean, I love the Christmas dinner, but the possibilities of things you can do with leftover turkey is endless. The pies, the sandwiches, the curries, they are all, you know, equally as delicious as the main event to me. So I, even if there was just four of us, I think I'd still properly cook turkey because I would just love a freezer full of turkey leftovers to keep us going for the next month or two. <laughs> What's your favourite uh, way to use up the turkey leftovers, Cassie, if you had to choose one? Probably a turkey pie, turkey Ooh. and ham, um, yeah, a nice kind of crumbly, buttery pastry, creamy sauce, put some, you know, chuck some leeks in there, lots of herbs. Um, yeah, I love that. What would you do with that? You'd make a, you'd make a, a, a roux first. Yeah. And then just add your turkey chunks into it. Yeah, probably make a kind of velouté. So make a roux and then instead of adding milk for like a white sauce, you add stock. And of course, if you've got some gravy left or some kind of jellied stock from the bottom of the turkey roasting tin, that is ideal to pop in there. So you're making like a kind of turkey, a thickened um, turkey gravy. It's called a velouté, a a stock-based thickened sauce. Um, And then I'd probably splash in a bit of cream or creme fraiche chopped parsley, um, start the base of the sauce with sweated leeks or onions. Um, And then, yeah, nice big chunks of the turkey. And if you've got some leftover gammon roasted up as well, that would be delicious. Even if you've got some pigs in blankets, chop those up and chuck those in. Um, That sounds better than the main event. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. One thing that I did find interesting, Cassie, you said um, you serve gammon alongside turkey. Is Is that something you do every Christmas? Yeah, so we usually cook the gammon on Christmas Eve and have a few slices of that with like a maybe a mac and cheese or like a cauliflower cheese, a nice, you know, tray baked dish of some sort that we can just pick out on Christmas Eve. Um, maybe like a, a slaw, like a sprout slaw or something with it as well. But we always go quite big on the gammon because it's another thing that I love having in the fridge after Christmas for leftovers. It's a great thing to use up um, in lots of different ways for leftovers. And what's your favourite recipe for gammon? It's not one from maybe two or three years ago that appeared on the front cover of uh, BBC Good Food and it's available online. I don't say yours. I think we won't be friends anymore, will we? (laughs) I have actually got my own recipe on this month's December cover, so I should say that one. (laughs) That one does look delicious. This year we've um, done a pomegranate and orange glazed 
ham, which is really nice. So that's my current favourite. And you've got you've got two two twists on glaze on there as well, haven't you? Because when when I did it, I did um, stem ginger syrup and 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 chopped stem ginger. And I think in in this month's issue, you've got uh, different twists on it. Uh, one with marmalade and um... there's so many different things you can put on um, a ham basically a ham is really salty isn't it so you want some kind of sweet element on there be it honey marmalade brown sugar um my the classic is just brown sugar mixed with orange which is really delicious um a bit of mustard in there as well but a dijon mustard or whole grain mustard is really nice um you want something that's quite kind of thick and sticky so it it really sticks to the ham because if it all just runs off in a pool on the bottom, that's no good. You want a really, th- you want it to build up like a thick crust on the outside of the ham. Um, so that's why the pomegranate molasses works so well because it it's almost like treacly. So it makes a really lovely caramelised crust on the outside of the gammon. So Keith, Cassie's um, put her, her recipe for turkey to us and you've been sort of shaking your head and looking just a little bit unimpressed throughout the thing. So what what recipe would you go for for your big Christmas centrepiece? Well, in, in the past, I've gone with uh, with goose. Um, and what I've found with that is uh, as dramatic as it is and as traditional it is, it's like it's the original tradition, it's, it, it gives off so much fat and it really smokes out of the kitchen. And there's there's hardly any meat on it. You know, the rest are very, very long and the, and the legs are quite... Um, you know they're quite sort of drumsticky, really. So um, in the last few years, I've always gone for a fantastic piece of rolled and tied uh, sirloin of beef. Uh, you know, from a as I said before, you know, from a um, a breed that is uh, has got a lot of tradition with good uh, with a good layer of fat on the outside, aged for twenty eight to thirty five days. So you've got that kind of. So starting to kind of break down. It's a nice dark meat. You don't want bright red. Uh, uh, beef, you know that's that's it's, it doesn't have the the enzymes that have broken it down and sort of added to the kind of the the umaminess. And then for uh, a, a recipe for this year, well, last year I did a kind of a a, a, a big rib of beef, or was that the year before? Which was very very dramatic as a centerpiece. The bone sticking out, very expensive. This one is more economical. You can get a really really good. Um, uh, big roast of uh, sirloin roasting joint for about 40 quid and then flavour it with something you want. So in BBC Good Food uh, magazine, we got uh, a porcini butter, which is dried porcinis, sort of, you know, uh, uh, rehydrated, mashed into into butter and then spread over the outside. Just loads of earthiness, loads of kind of, you know, depth and loads of savoury umami that's coming through. Um, Keith, when you when you go to the butchers to to buy your your beef, what what is it that you look for that indicates it is going to be a really lovely sort of piece of beef? I want the butcher to know where it's come from. You know, he should have a relationship with that farmer. Um, he should know the breed, and he should want to engage you in a conversation about it. This is not something where you point and take away. You want to explore what it, what it's about, how long it's been aged for, and ask him how to cook it. Because if he knows his, his butchery, he will also know his cooking. So, you know, you treat him as a friend. And I've become good friends with three or four butchers in the course of, of this job. I'm and sure we you talk have. About what, <laughs> and we talk about what's in and what's right and what's just coming in and what to wait for. So, you know, get a relationship going with your butcher. And that does not have to be 
a high street butcher. It can also be a supermarket butcher because those guys in supermarkets really know their stuff. They're well-trained and they love having the conversations with you about their about their wares, about their, their produce. They, they take great pride in, in what they do. So Cassie, would you ever consider going for beef or do you feel like turkey is is your go-to and it always will be? I love beef, so I don't want to um, talk beef down because yeah. I love beef for a special occasion. It is a really, um, it's a delicacy if, if cooked well and it's perfect for a special occasion. But for me, turkey can be just as delicious or even more delicious if you give it lots of love. And it's all about tradition, like I said, for me. So Christmas Day is the day that I want to eat turkey because it evokes all those lovely memories of Christmases gone by. And I continue cooking turkey um, to install those traditions in my kids <laughs> and then they'll probably grow up and say I want beef <laughs> um, but yeah I love turkey and I will I, I'll keep cooking turkey and save beef for my birthday maybe <laughs> what kind of gravy would you go for with uh, with turkey what's your what's your method on that Cassie I always like to prepare my gravy ahead like you like you said earlier um I think gravy can be one of the most stressful things to cook on Christmas day when you've already got lots of pans bubbling and things on the go the last thing you want to be doing is straining juices from you know a a, a bird and um trying to make a gravy so I roast up a load of chicken wings um beforehand the day before or a week before um and get them nice and dark so you're building up lots of flavor on that and then roast them in a dish which, which can go straight onto the hob um, along with some you know veggies and aromatics so some onion with the skin on um, carrots some bay leaves in there um, and then stick it on the hob splash in a good bit of white wine or some sherry um, and then you know deglaze the pan get all of those sticky bits mixed in and you know bubbling up the um, the wine and then in with a few water or if you've got a good chicken stock you know some good chicken stock in there and then on Christmas day any juices that come off the bird will go into that ready-made ready-made stocks I really I'm quite um particular about having lots of gravy (laughs) you need buckets of gravy on Christmas day there's nothing worse than not having enough gravy and if you've got a big family you're not going to get enough gravy from one turkey to go around so you have to have a bit in reserve I think ready made and it just takes some of the stress off the big day as well it's like tradition every year for my mum to sort of go to carve the turkey and then panic so she hands it to my dad who's a chef and he starts doing it and then she gets upset because he does the the slabs too thick and she takes it back off him muttering like oh I should have just done it myself and he's just sitting there like you asked me to do it every single time we have a roast dinner and then you end up like taking the privilege away from me just so I think I need to invest in something really sharp something really great to carve our our beef this year and also any um centerpiece that we have on Sundays because I'm getting kind of sick of that argument. You, <laughs> Has anyone you ever had one of the um electric carving knives? Oh the Yeah. <laughs> it's a running joke as well. Every time we have a roast, my mum goes, Oh, my my nan's nan used to have sorry, my nan used to have an electric carving knife and it was absolutely brilliant and we all loved it. And I'm like, okay mum, I get it. I get it. I I might get her one as like a jokey Christmas present this year, just sort of like there you are. You can do the carving now. I think the thing is with any knife is you just need to find one that it feels comfortable for you. You don't have to spend loads of money on a good knife. Just get a sharp knife that feels comfortable. And sometimes that is a smaller knife. You know, you see these 
chef's knives, which are, which are huge. And the weight of them is just too much for me. Mm-hmm. So I prefer something a little bit smaller and lightweight, um, but super sharp. So, yeah, I think when you're buying a knife, it's really important to hold it and just feel the weight of it and, you know, buy something that you feel comfortable with. Yeah, definitely. That's a, that the sharpness is the is the key. I've got a three wheel grinder, and you basically it has different kind of uh, grades of roughness, and so you start off on the on the on the thickest, which just roughs up the uh, the, the blade. Then it goes down. And it's really really sharp at the end of it, and just do it on a on a regular basis. All the gear, Keith. All the gear. I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't say. That. <laughs> I feel like your kitchen cupboard is just overflowing with gadgets to make your sort of meat carving easier. That's you why I asked about the electric carving knife. I was sure you must have yeah. one. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not now. <laughs> Should see on my uh, my shopping list uh, or my kind of like wish list for my Christmas presents. It's, you know, a new set of pans. I want a new knife. I want some kind of gadget that, you know, uh, crushes and minces garlic a bit better than just chopping it all up. So it's a, it's a labour of love. So, guys, I think that's all we've got time for. I'm going to put both of your recipes to Miriam and see which one she wants to crown the winner. But thank you so much for joining me. I've had such a lovely conversation with you. And I think one day I'll try turkey. Probably not this Christmas, but maybe one day. No influencing the judge. No, no, I'll just just give her the feedback. I won't tell her my opinion and we'll see who she thinks the winner is. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Merry Christmas. Right, the verdict. The verdict. The final verdict. You have to make it a good one, Miriam. (laughs) This isn't just any verdict. Do you know what? I'm under pressure enough, and now you put me under even more pressure. Um, Oh, goodness me. It is really difficult. I mean, this, you're right. It's the main event. It's the big. It's the big one, mm. and they both sound terrific. Um, I mean, I feel. I mean, I've never had beef at Christmas. We've had, um, you know, we've had goose once and and duck once. I think mostly turkey. Um, I did <laughs> one year. I did think I was going to do that. You know, that bird in a bird in a bird thing. I thought I might bird do section, that. Yeah. And I um, I bought all the <laughs> all the different birds. And then at the last minute, I just couldn't, I just didn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I just roasted them all and put them on a platter and thought, well, that'll be oh. all right. But the cut, it was such a complicated carving process. <laughs> I thought I it would make imagine. my life easier, but it made it much harder. It also just looked like a big sort of platter of just dead birds. It just looked great. <laughs> It didn't look very beautiful. Merry Christmas. I know, I know. Um, anyway, uh, okay. I feel that if anyone is already making their centrepiece and they've already decided what it is, for example, if it's if it is turkey, they're going to absolutely get so much from all of Cassie's tips today and I think they're going to be able to take it to the next level. So... I think that the recipe is going to have to be Keith because it sounds delicious and there's a bit of prep overnight, but people could still potentially get that if they haven't decided or if they're going to be having another special meal. Perhaps, you know, when all this sort of um, lockdown stuff is 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 over, maybe they'll have a nice celebratory meal. 
and have a, another extra Christmas perhaps in, a, in you know, in the summer or the spring or even next year. Um, and I think that this is going to be a really special recipe for, for us to share. So Keith, congratulations. Beef is, is the winner on this episode. Nadia, well what do you done, think? Keith. <laughs> what I, do you think? No, do I, I, right I completely choice? agree with that decision. <laughs> um, Cassie brought some wonderful tips to the table, as you said, and it sounds incredible, but for me, I have roast beef anyway, so was, it was always yeah. going to be Keith for me, yeah. Yeah. Well done, Keith. Congratulations. So I think that's all we've got time for today and for the whole series, I guess. Oh. I'm so I'm so sad it's over. It's really got me into the festive spirit. Absolutely. Me too. Yeah, so do keep an eye out for new BBC Good Food podcast seasons coming next year. Have a look on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode from us. Nadia, Merry Christmas. Thank you for helping. Merry Christmas. Thank you for having me. And to the listeners as well, Merry, Merry Christmas from all of us at BBC Good Food. Thank you for listening to Have a Nice Christmas from BBC Good Food. Find all the recipes and more information on the podcast at bbcgoodfood.com slash podcasts.